pray just for a moment. Lord, thank you this morning on this Easter day. Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you come into our homes? Would you come into our hearts? Would you fill my words? Would you open the scriptures to us now that we might be led to Jesus Christ? It is in his name we pray. Amen. All right. I recently read a story by Dr. Tony Evans that I've incorporated into my sermon because it applies so well both to our gospel lesson in Luke 24 as well as to our situation in this global pandemic. It's a true story. It happened almost 10 years ago now, beginning on August 5th, 2010, when a section of rock collapsed in a mine in northern Chile, trapping 33 men in a deep, dark pit. They were more than 2,300 feet underground. Now, that's just short of one half mile below the face of the earth. They were in a hole from which they had no way out. They were in the dark. They couldn't see. They were surrounded by barriers that they couldn't penetrate. It was a hopeless situation. Now, just think for a moment about the kind of loss of control that they experienced. Fears that came in, the temptation to despair. For 17 days, they didn't know whether anyone knew that they were there and still alive. Now, it's bad enough to be in a pit. It's even worse when you can't get out and there's no one there to help you. Well, I think all of us know what it is like to be in a pit, to be in situations that you can't get out of, to be stuck and to be powerless to change ourselves or our circumstances. We've experienced this in relationships, in finances, in our homes, in our health, in our living situations, in all kinds of ways. And of course, we're all experiencing that to some extent now in the midst of this global pandemic of COVID-19. All of us are stuck in our homes and outside of our normal lives. Many of us are stuck with people that we have a hard time getting along with. Some of us are stuck in our anxieties and in our fears, which threaten to overwhelm us. We don't know how to get free. Others are stuck without enough money or income, wondering how to pay the bills, even how do I feed my children? And a few of us are stuck in hospitals, unsure about the next breath. Now, if those Chilean miners were ever gonna get out, it wasn't going to be by their own efforts. They were going to have to be rescued from the pit. Someone else would have to do it. Someone else from outside would have to enter in. Someone from above would have to drill down to get to them. They had no way to be delivered from their situation unless there was an outside intervention. There had to be an outside intervention. Similarly, on that morning, that morning in which we read about in Luke chapter 24, those women, as they were on their way that dark morning, were in a kind of pit, a deep, dark pit. The text tells us that it was Mary Magdalene and it was Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and a few other women who were making their way through the darkness to the tomb of Jesus. 
I don't think it's hard for us to imagine that, that with each step, the kind of pressure and intensity, the dread, the sorrow that they experienced, this is just days after their hearts had been shattered and destroyed. It was mounting. It was overwhelming as they walked through that dark night. They had seen with their own eyes the one in whom they had put their hope and their trust, wrongfully arrested, unjustly condemned, and then brutally killed on a cross. They had seen with their own eyes his limp and lifeless form taken down from that cross. And they had seen with their own eyes the tomb in which his corpse was laid and the stone rolled across and sealed. There is no doubt that they were in a pit that morning as they walked to the gravesite to pay their final respects, to anoint the body with spices and finish the burial process. What did they get? They got an outside intervention. They got, a, they got an outside intervention. For them, it began, of course, when they saw the stone had been rolled away. The tomb was open and they went in. In verse 3, it says, they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, if you're not careful in your reading of the text, your eyes might miss the detail that Dr. Luke, the narrator, so carefully puts in there and specifically gives us. Now, look at the text. It says they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, in your home, right there, right now, I want you to say, the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. There you go. Let's say it again. The Lord Jesus. That's right. Don't hold back today. I'm going to preach, and I need you to enter in. The Lord Jesus is an important detail that Luke gives us, and, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment. So I want you to hold it right there, and we'll pull that back in in a few moments. Verse 4 says, they were perplexed by this. Now, we have a saying in our house, it's a phrase we use, when someone says something kind of funny and super apparent, we say, that is a moto statement. Moto stands for master of the obvious that is a moto statement. They were perplexed. Of course, they were perplexed. They were expecting to find a dead body, even though they saw the first evidence of Christ's resurrection, the tomb rolled away, and no body in place. They didn't get it at first. Even though the outside intervention had come, they were still in the pit because it hadn't yet registered. Verse 4 continues, Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Now, that doesn't mean that these were the best-dressed guys in town. These are angels. They radiated with the light of heaven. They pulsated like a lightning flash in the sky, and it caused the women to fall to their faces in fear, bowing down in a posture of worship and in terror. But then the angels spoke those powerful words of deliverance, and in their question, they announced that outside intervention had indeed come. Verse 5, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Hallelujah. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that our greatest enemy, which is death, that enemy, that enemy which comes after every person, that enemy has been defeated. That enemy is defeated. 
Death is no longer a dark pit from which we cannot escape. There is hope and there is a solution. Death no longer has to be the end of the story for you or for anyone else. You know, some of you are familiar with the rock band Kansas. They sang a song called Dust in the Wind. The words go, I close my eyes only for a moment and the moment's gone. The song goes on, they say, now don't hang on. Nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky and all your money won't another minute buy. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Everything is dust in the wind. It's, it's haunting. It's a beautiful song, but it's a song about the pit. It's about the nihilistic futility of life, the inescapability of death. No matter what you do, no matter how much you make, no matter what you achieve, no matter how much you earn, it's all going to end and you'll just be dust in the wind. And I think many people live under that. And I can tell you right now, many people are walking under that. Even Christians, and I'm calling you Christians, out from under that kind of thinking. You know how I know people are walking under that? I have been to the grocery store lately. And I can feel it in the air. And I can see it in the eyes. Heaven forbid you have to go to a hospital. You can see it in the eyes and feel it in the air. The fear that all we are is dust in the wind. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's outside intervention. He's reaching down. He's reaching into the one thing that we cannot escape. And he's breaking through to show that death is not God. God is God. And death is an inferior power. It is not ultimate. God is ultimate. It is in the process of being undone. Its power has been broken. And its terror has been removed. This is good news. God has recreated new life on the other side of death. God alone is God. You must hear that today. God alone is God. Death continues, yes. But only because God allows it until the time at which he rolls it all up and says it is finished and complete. And it is time for the new heaven and the earth. When all things will finally be restored. This is good news, and I beg you to get a hold of it this morning. The women, however, at this point in the story, they still don't get it. Not quite. So the angels continued. Look what they said. Remember, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And then verse 8 says, They remembered his words. In other words, the penny dropped. The lights went on and they got it. They remembered that Jesus had said all of this was going to happen. I'm a great fan of C.S. Lewis, his Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, In his book, The Silver Chair, he has this beautiful way of reminding his readers about how important it is that regardless of what life throws at us and where we find ourselves that we remember. He, in the story, the silver chair, has this scene in which Aslan, the king, is speaking to Jill as he's about to send her out on a quest that would be dangerous. This is what Aslan says. Remember, remember, remember the signs. Say them to yourself when you wake in the morning and when you lie down at night. 
and when you wake in the middle of the night and the signs will not look at all as you expect them to look. That is why it is so important to know them by heart. We've got to know the signs. What Lewis is saying is we've got to know God's word. We've got to know God's promises. We've got to get it in us so that when life seems to be falling apart, when things don't look the way they ought to look in our minds, but we remember the signs, we remember the words, we remember who he is. The women remembered. They remembered what Jesus said. And they remembered that in his words, well, Jesus was not a victim and Jesus was not a martyr. He was God who entered in from outside, an outside intervention. He entered into the creation in order to offer his own life as a sacrifice and a payment for sin, for your sin and for my sin, for all who believe. That remembering is going to continue on throughout the day in the gospel. And we'll see it in detail next week, so come back. Jesus is going to remind his disciples on the road to Emmaus. He's going to remind them that the law and the prophets and the Psalms all pointed toward them and found their fulfillment in him. They were all pointing at him, telling of his suffering and his rising and his glory. He reminded him, all of them, of his own teaching. His teaching centered on himself, not on tips, not on techniques, not on ways to have a successful best life now. He focused on himself, life with him. We must remember his words. That's what caused the women's faith to arise. That's what drew them out of the pit. That's what set them on the road of resurrection. You see, it's when we believe what he has said, when we place our faith in God's words and in his Christ, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember I told you the Lord Jesus. Let's pull that word back from where we stored it a little while ago. Remember. Remember, remember, when we trust ourselves to the Lord Jesus, Luke's giving us the clue that it isn't just a man who is raised, it is the Lord of heaven and earth who has been raised and who now stands in a new way, as a new victor, as a conqueror, when we entrust our lives to the Lord Jesus. And Luke will continue to refer to him as the Lord Jesus especially if you read his sequel, the book of Acts. The Lord Jesus is what the apostles preached. The Lord of heaven and earth, the Lord over death, the Lord who is above all, Jesus, not one among many, but Jesus, the Lord of all. When we entrust ourselves and our lives to the Lord Jesus, he pulls us up out of the pit. He sets us on the road. He makes us one with himself. He takes away our sin. He gives us new life. He strengthens us for the day ahead. But here's the thing. His goal is not just to get you to heaven. His goal is that all of your life would come under and into his lordship so that your hopes and your dreams and your relationships, what you do with your life, your future, your past sins, your present struggles, All of this comes under the purview of Jesus, who is Lord, the Lord Jesus, who seeks you. He is the one who will secure not only your present, but your eternity. You know, those Chilean miners were eventually rescued. Took almost two months. What happened was they drilled down 
that almost half mile, and they lowered a cylindrical kind of container uh, by a wire that was, well, it was a half mile long, and it had the capacity for everyone to be rescued, but they could only get into it one at a time. It works that way with Jesus. His cross is enough to pay for your sins. His resurrection is the proof that God accepted the payment and new life is possible. There's enough for everybody, but we have to all get in. We can only do that individually. Get out of the pit, step in, receive the offer. And if you've forgotten, and if you've fallen asleep, then I invite you to remember. Remember what he's told you. Remember what he's done in you. Remember the promises he's made you. And continue this day and every day trusting him, trusting him, trusting him and following the one who was dead and is now alive, who speaks to those who learn his voice. Follow the subtle movements of the one who would use you in the same way he used those women who upon remembering and understanding immediately went and told the 11 and everybody else, And the message of that good news has continued today. So now, friends, I invite you to invite him in, to yield your life now. Where you are right there, let's join together in a prayer. And and I want you to let your whole body be a part of this. It might mean you need to get down on your knees. It might mean that for the first time in your life, you go ahead and raise your hands up. It doesn't matter who's in the room with you. This is to be about you and our Lord as we pray. Let's pray. Lord, you have conquered death. You have paid the price and we thank you for the cross. We thank you for forgiveness. But Lord, we thank you for new life. That our sin is not the answer upon our lives. It's your resurrection and your goodness, and your righteousness, and your newness. Lord, let that come into us now, even as we pray. This moment, this day, oh God, come in and enter our hearts and make us clean and set us on a path and give us a call to share the good news that the pit is not the last word. The resurrection of Jesus, our Lord Jesus, He is the last word. Oh, it's good news. Amen, 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 and hallelujah.